Morning New Life Church, please stand with us. Oh, yeah. 
Good morning, New Life Church. Please bow your heads with me as I pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you that we can all be here together to worship you as a community in this place today. I pray that you will please bless the service. Please bless the people that entered this building this morning, God. And please bless the rest of our weeks. Thank you for your love and thank you for bringing us all here today. In your name, amen.
Glad that you are here. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Pastor Bruce, and um, I'm going to do the announcements part. Um, my wife was actually supposed to do this, but she got up this morning and she said, I can't talk. And so I said, okay. And she said, well, could you pinch hit for me? And I said, sure, sure, we can talk turkey. So I'm out of dishes for a week. I thought that, that was worth it, right? It was worth it. Hey, you got to drive a hard bargain sometimes, you know? Anyway, um, for those of you who are guests or visitors, we're so glad you're here. We trust that this will be a great experience for you, and uh, you'll feel uh, like you're not just part of a church experience, but you're part of a family. That's really what, what we're going for here at New Life. Hey, I want to invite the kids to come down now. That's um, age 3 to 5, uh, or grades 1 to 5. 3 to 5 are little lights, and 1 to 5 are kids' church. So come on down. We're going to bless you. Come on down just right here on the seat in front. Try not to knock over any of the decorations. All right. Have a seat right up here. So are any of you getting excited about Christmas? Christmas coming up? Can you see all the beautiful decorations that we have up here? By the way, doesn't the staff do an amazing job? Let's just give it up. Yeah. I always think, like, this is nowhere near my house. Like, we just, we go a little bit uh, less than this. But it's great to come here, and it puts you in that sort of festive spirit. So, um, kids... Um, like we do every week here at New Life, we want to bless you. As you go downstairs, we want to make sure that you know, you know that God loves you and that we love you too. And we want you to grow up to know who the Lord Jesus is. So would you all bow your head and if you're comfortable, just extend your hand this way from wherever you're sitting just to bless these kids this morning. Father, we're so thankful for Christmas. We're so thankful for the beauty of it. And um, Lord, uh, we're also so thankful for all these children and what a gift they are to us. And we don't take that for granted, not one little bit. And so we ask that you, you would bless them this morning as they go downstairs, encourage them, help them to know that they're loved. We thank you so much for all the teachers and those who spend their time volunteering. Uh, we appreciate their work so much. So just bless them and give them a great time today. We pray in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed and said... Amen. All right, so um, grades one to five, that is kids, um, kids thing. Uh, and then <laughs> little lights, give me a break, I'm pitch hitting, okay? Um, little lights goes out through the door over here. Kids church, I know what it is. Volunteer down there. Okay, um, so uh, if you're new, by the way, um, we want to give you an early Christmas present, Okay. So here's this Connect card which you'll find uh, in front of you, right in front of you. If you fill it out, bring it to um, the booth in the foyer. Uh, we've got some coffee for you, a mug. It's a great little Christmas gift. And uh, you could always re-gift it, right, if you don't know what to do with it. Just kidding, just kidding. You, would, you wouldn't want to do that. Enjoy a free gift from us. And again, that's just a way of us making you feel like you're a part of things around here. Um, now, there's a seniors' lunch uh, coming up today after church. 
I was here a little bit early, and I saw some delicious food coming in, and there was decorations. And, and so if you are over 65 um, or even close, because they're probably not checking IDs up there, go up after church, and you can enjoy some fellowship time, um, talk Christmas traditions, Christmas stories. Um, so make sure you find yourself up there. And again, if you're new, um, just take a chance. You'll meet some new friends. Um, we also want to make you aware of the congregation meeting that's coming up um, right here Wednesday, December 6th at 7 p.m. December 6th at 7 p.m. It will also be live streamed, but we want to encourage you to come out and just be a part of things here. It's always better to be in person. And uh, what's great about this year is that not only are we going to look at financial statements, but there's going to be a board member, not a B-O-R-E-D member, a board member, B-O-A-R-D that'll sit across the table from you as you sit a little, little round tables, and they are going to just have a chance to interact with you and hear uh, your perspective, to answer questions. So, um, and they'll be intensely interested in what you have to, to say, and they'll bring that back in terms of leading uh, this church into the future. And um, uh, we also want to, to make you aware that the staff has been busy preparing kind of an uplifting video about some of the activities that go on around here, and they're going to show that at that meeting as well. So, uh, again, come on out for that uh, December 6th at 7 p.m. Now, all the Christmas services are coming. Um, we're excited about it. First of all, there's the Christmas Eve service, which uh, because of the dates of this year, um, it's on, on Sunday morning at 10 a.m., so Christmas Eve on Sunday morning at 10 a.m., and I'll just, um, being a little involved in that service, I can t tell you that there's something for everyone. Uh, there's puppets, there's going to be raps, there's going to be music, there's going to be drama, there's going to be all kinds of stuff. It, by the way, would be a great service for you to invite a friend to. If you know somebody who, who uh, you know, wants to celebrate Christmas, doesn't have a, a church home, or maybe it's just a neighbor or a friend, just say, hey, come on down, you'll enjoy the service, and you get to celebrate Christmas. Then on Christmas morning, we're also going to have a wonderful service. Um, there's a choir that's practicing right now. In fact, choir, you have another practice after the service today upstairs, so make sure you show up for that. But that will be on Christmas morning at 10 a.m. right here, uh, choirs, Christmas music, um, it's going to be a wonderful time, so, so again, show up for that, uh, another service maybe to potentially invite a friend or a neighbor to. The offering today is for um, New Life Ministries, for all the ministries that are happening around here, you just heard about some of them, uh, you can see on the screen behind me some different ways that you can give, uh, so please take advantage of that, you can also use the boxes which are here on the side of the stage if you want to give in person this morning, that'd be great. And, uh, of course, those of you who are uh, watching online, uh, we welcome you as well, and you're also welcome to participate in giving um, in various ways. Uh, let's pray and uh, bless uh, the offering now and also bless the rest of the service. Father, we come to you. We thank you for uh, this chance that we have to get together as a church family and to give, to give of ourselves, to give our heart, to give our resources, uh, to give to each other. Um, Lord, what a blessing that is, and, um, and we pray that whatever gifts are given this morning, um, that they will bless this church and build it up so that it will reach its full potential in you. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, um, 
We're going to have our little fellowship time now, three-minute fellowship. You're welcome to grab coffee or water or whatever you like at the back, uh, chit-chat a little bit. And then after that, uh, we'll get back together and uh, we'll do the sermon. If you need a question to kind of ask each other, um, you know, during this time, just as an icebreaker, you can talk about whether you're going to the December 6th meeting uh, and if you're going to be a part of that. So uh, let's do that now and uh, enjoy this time.
Church, welcome. Welcome to New Life. Um, as the worship team was leading us in a number of songs, one of, the, one of the songs that really stuck out and spoke to me was the line, Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. And the reason why that line stuck out for me is because, well, it kind of lines up with the sermon a little bit. But in the midst of all that's happening around the world, in the midst of all that's happening in our own lives and in the lives of our congregation that I'm aware of, um, we, need, we need God with us. We need the assurance of God with us to come and to be in our midst and how much awesome it was to be assured of that and in, in, in that assurance that we can rejoice and be glad during the season of Advent because the fact is, Emmanuel has come, and, and we await his return once again. And so with that thought, um, why don't we pray together as we uh, look at God's word. Father God, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. In this season of Advent, as we await to celebrate his birth, but also await his coming again. We pray that you would draw near to us. Help us to live in the reality of rejoicing because Emmanuel has indeed come to Israel and to us. God, we pray especially now that you would draw near to the family members at our church, people who have lost loved ones. We pray especially for the Boada family. We pray for your mercy to be upon them and for your comforting presence to be around them. We also pray for the many families that have been affected by the avian flu. In this challenging time, we pray, Lord, that you would draw near to them and have mercy on them. God, we also pray for those families that are affected financially um, and find themselves in, in tight spots financially. Lord, have mercy upon them and draw near to them. God, we also pray for people who are sick, who are homebound because of physical limitations, who want to be here but cannot be here. We pray, Lord, for your presence to be near them and with them. May your light shine on them this morning and in this season of Advent. We also pray for Pastor Nathan as he's still on his sabbatical. We pray, Lord, that you would be with him and continue to speak to him and let him experience your love in his life, Lord, as he rests. And... Um, and revives himself uh, for another season of ministry. And we commit this time to you, Lord, as we look into your word, we pray that, that you would speak to us by your spirit. And hearing your word, we pray, Lord, that you would lead us to live in accordance to your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As I mentioned just now, that we are now in a season of Advent. This Sunday is the first Sunday of Advent. And Advent is a season of celebrating the coming of Jesus. It's a season of reflection on the long-awaited Messiah's humble birth in Bethlehem. Advent also symbolizes the last days as we, the capital C Church, wait for his return and the full, complete, full and complete manifestation of Jesus' kingdom. For this reason, Advent is also a season of preparation examining and preparing ourselves in anticipation of his return. Therefore, 
Advent is all about remembrance, remembering the birth of Jesus, our Savior, and anticipation, waiting for his return. Now, the title for the Advent Sermon series is Christmas Light. Every Christmas, people put up Christmas lights, and we see a lot of them. How many of you have already put up Christmas lights? Some of them are done quite tastefully. And some of them, not so tastefully. I mean, if your house looks like this, no judgment. You're in a safe place here. But I mean, you have, you have room to improve, all right? Now, among so many Christmas lights that catch our attention, both good ones and bad ones, and many bright and shiny things that capture our gaze, how might we spend this season adoring the true light of Christmas? The true light of Christmas, that is Jesus Christ. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying Christmas lights are bad things. One of the traditions that we like to do in our household during this season is to drive around and check out Christmas lights. They definitely add to the festive excitement that is in the air as Christmas approaches. Even though the daylight is short and it gets dark so early, the warm glow of Christmas lights brighten up the streets, our neighborhoods, and our moods, especially during the cold winter month leading up to Christmas. So in this sermon series, we'll be looking at various passages in the book of Isaiah that talk about light. By looking at these passages, our hope is to draw you to remember and to reflect on Jesus, the true Christmas light. Because the Christmas story is all about this light having come into the world that was in darkness. Just as the warm glow of the Christmas lights are inviting Jesus, the true light is also inviting. The beauty of his light invites us to draw near and to adore him. Our hope in this sermon series is to help lead us to adore this light as we prepare to celebrate his coming. And the first passage we'll be looking at is from Isaiah chapter 2. The main verse is verse 5, but for context, we'll read from verses 1 to 11. So let's read it together. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. Isaiah 2. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. For you have rejected your people, the house of Jacob, because they are full of things from the east, and of fortune tellers like Philistines, and they strike hands with the children of foreigners. Their land is filled with silver and gold, and there is no end to their treasures. Their land is filled with horses, and there is no end 
to their chariots. Their land is filled with idols. They bow down to the work of their hands, to what their own fingers have made. So man is humbled, and each one is brought low. Do not forgive them. Enter into the rock and hide in the dust from before the terror of the Lord, from the splendor of his majesty. The haughty looks of man shall be brought low, and the lofty pride of men shall be humbled, and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. Now, in the passage that we have just read, we see an invitation, a beckoning, if you will, to walk in the light of the Lord. Isaiah is beckoning the house of Jacob to walk in the light of the Lord. Although it's not evident in the NIV, the verse following in the Hebrew text, as well as in some other English translations, has an important conjunction for, connecting the two verses, verse 5 and verse 6, together. With it, verse 6 provides the reason why Isaiah is beckoning the house of Jacob to walk in the light of the Lord. It reads, For you have rejected your people, the house of Jacob, you being God, because they are full of things from the east, of of fortune tellers like the Philistines, and they strike hands with the children of foreigners. The reason why why Isaiah is beckoning the house of Jacob to walk in the light of the Lord is because God has abandoned them. It's an invitation to return to God. It's an invitation to turn from darkness to walk in the light. In other words, Isaiah's invitation to walk in the light of the Lord is an invitation to repentance. The reason why God has abandoned them is because the house of Jacob is full of things from the east. Literally, in the Hebrew, is full from the east, meaning that the house of Jacob has found their fullness from their eastern nations rather than finding their fullness in Yahweh, their God. Fullness in what? Isaiah continues, they're full of fortune tellers like the Philistines. During the time of Isaiah, the Philistines were located to the west of Judah. In saying this, Isaiah is saying that the people of God are full of pagan ways of living that come from all around them, from the east to the west. Even though divination was prohibited for the Israelites, the people of God are, the people of God are looking to fortune tellers to seek insight and control over their own destiny. Isaiah also says that they strike hands with the children of foreigners. This is a difficult saying to translate in English, but most scholars interpret this to mean making alliance with foreigners that involved recognition of their idols. Making alliance with foreign nations that involved recognition of the foreign idols. Hence, in verse 8, Isaiah notes that the house of Jacob is filled with idols and notes their foolishness in bowing down to what their own fingers have made. They're walking in darkness, and that's why Isaiah calls them and invites them to walk in the light of the Lord. In summary, God has abandoned his people, the house of Jacob, because they were full of idolatry, which led them to walk in darkness. God has abandoned them not because they're walking in darkness. God has abandoned them because they have abandoned God. They have abandoned God's ways. 
They have abandoned the light and exchanged it for darkness. This is quite a contrast to the vision Isaiah sees in verses 2 to 4, where in the latter days, the nations, not Israel itself, but nations, other nations will gather to go up to the mountain of the Lord so that they may learn His ways and walk in His paths. While the nations gather to learn of God's ways, God's own people have turned away from His ways and found themselves saturated with the ways of the world. As we enter into the season of Advent, and as we enter into, as we start the season of Advent, it would be very fitting for us to examine whether we have abandoned the true Christmas light in exchange for the ways of the world. Yes, it's exciting, and we wait in anticipation, but also it's a time of preparation, remember? Preparing our hearts for the coming of the Lord, for his return, and that involves examination of our own hearts. What has Christmas become for us? What has Advent become for us? Has it become full of idols and ways of the world? Has it become more about festivities, families, decorations and gifts, Santas and reindeers and the light of the world born in a manger as a helpless babe? Has it become more about the frantic pursuit of finding the perfect gifts for all those on our list and fitting into our schedules one Christmas party after another than pausing to slow down and to center ourselves in the wonder of the story of Jesus' birth? Jesus, the ultimate gift of God's salvation for all who walk in darkness. I believe Isaiah's invitation in verse 5 to walk in the light of the Lord is the same invitation given to us still, almost 3,000 years later, to return to God from worshiping idols that hinder us from walking in the ways of Jesus, the true light of Christmas. We're invited to repentance to turn from the fullness of worldly ways of celebrating Christmas to the fullness of Jesus, to abide in him and to be filled by him, to commit ourselves once again to him in wholehearted devotion that leads us to adore him in this season of Advent. Let us walk in the light of the Lord, not in darkness. Because Jesus, the light of the world, has come and died on the cross for us so that we may walk in his light. And not only walk in his light, but become people that bear his light. How dark would this world be if the people of God, people that God has called to be and made to be light were walking in darkness? The Bible assures us of forgiveness in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, where it says, if we walk in the light... As God is in the light, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And walking in the light of God begins with repentance. So, that let, us, so let us return to God in this season of Advent. Let us turn from the idols of the world to adore Jesus. Let us walk in the light. So you might be thinking, okay, I want to walk in the light. I get it. We're supposed to walk in the light. But how? How do we do this? How do we walk in the light? What does it mean to walk in the light of the Lord? 
The Hebrew verb to walk in the Old Testament points to a manner of life. Metaphorically speaking, to walk is to live in a certain way of life. Thus, to walk in the light of the Lord means that we live our lives in a certain way in the light of the Lord. We conduct our lives not outside, but in His light. Now, what does that mean? For us to get a grasp of this, we need to unpack what Isaiah means by, the, by, by light of the Lord. The word light is used many times in the book of Isaiah, 31 times, with various meanings and implications. Here in this context, the light of the Lord is referring to the ways of God. It is parallel to the ways and paths mentioned in verse 3 that the nations are gathering to learn and walk in. So to walk in the light of the Lord means to live in the ways of the Lord. And the, wa- and the ways of the Lord are learned through the word of God, as it also says in verse 3. In other words, the invitation to walk in the light of the Lord is an invitation to live in obedience to his word. The invitation to walk in the light of the Lord is an invitation to live in obedience to his word. The invitation to walk in the light isn't just about leaving and avoiding idolatry, but it is also about walking in obedience to God's ways. It's to live in obedience to his commands. And in the context of Isaiah, to live in obedience to his commands is to live in reliance and complete trust in the Lord, no matter what the circumstance. To live in complete trust and reliance upon the Lord, no matter what the circumstance. Historically, when Isaiah prophesied the words we have read today, Ahaz was the king of Judah at the time. He was in a tight spot politically, as Judah was not on friendly terms with surrounding nations. So when he was under threat of invasion, instead of trusting in God for deliverance, Ahaz reached out to the king of Assyria, which was a rising superpower at the time in the region. He reached out to them and made an alliance with them, with Assyria. While a pro-Assyrian policy seemed like a good foreign affair card to play at the time, it eventually led to a binding treaty that required recognition of the Assyrian gods to abandon Yahweh and replace Yahweh with the Assyrian gods. Their allegiance and alliance with Assyria not only led them to an alliance with their nation, but with their idols. It is in this situation where Isaiah prophesies the words in chapters 2 to 4. It is in this historical context where Isaiah beckons the people of God to walk in the light of the Lord, which is to live in reliance upon the Lord. Instead of trusting in Assyria, instead of trusting in human ways of saving yourself, trust in Yahweh, your only and true Savior. For Isaiah to walk in the light of the Lord is to trust in God for their deliverance and salvation rather than in other nations or their military power or their idols. Now, what might this look like for us in the season of Advent? 
How might we more fully live in reliance upon God during this season of Advent? Well, we would do well by first remembering that the story of Christmas is a story of salvation. It's a story of salvation. It's not just a wonderful story that we just pass on to kids. It's a story of salvation. It's a story of God's salvation, beginning of God's salvation. We celebrate the coming of Jesus 2,000 years ago because it means that God has fulfilled his promise of the long-awaited Messiah to save his people from the darkness of sin and death. The story of Christmas is the story of the Savior of the world being born as a humble infant in a manger in Bethlehem who will give his life as a ransom for many so that those who enslave by darkness of sin and death may be freed, given new life, so that they may live not as slaves, but as sons and daughters of God. <clears throat> and by remembering this story of salvation, we could persevere in hope no matter how challenging the circumstances may be around us in this season. We look to God as our security and most reliant foundation in the midst of all the storms that might be raging all around us. With wars all over the world, economic crisis, inflation, sickness, death, illness, division, constant tension, in the midst of all these, we look to God as our security and most reliant foundation because the story of Christmas celebrates the birth of the one who calms the storm by his word. It is true that for some, Christmas could be one of the loneliest times of the year, as well as one of the hardest, especially for those who have suffered loss, loss of a beloved family member, loss of work, loss of our financial security, or perhaps loss of health. When our life circumstances make it challenging to trust in God, leading us to question and doubt God's goodness and faithfulness, we walk in the light by relying fully in the promises of God. Our circumstances might feel dark and hopeless, but we walk in the light when we walk in reliance on Him. The Bible tells us that in quietness and trust is your strength. Also in 1 Peter, it tells us that in the midst of trials, it is our faith in God that will lead us to be filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Inexpressible and glorious joy. Don't we all long for that season? It's not the Christmas lights. It's not the most wonderful gift. It's not, it's not even about the wonderful parties that we attend. It's not about that. It's not those things that bring us inexpressible and glorious joy. It is only Jesus Christ that brings us in our hearts the inexpressible and glorious joy in this season. The Christmas story of the Savior's birth is still true even when we go through hard times. The historical event of God with us being born as an infant is still true even when the enemy whispers to us that God is not with us. <clears throat> Just the opposite. 
The story of Christmas assures us that God is indeed faithful and trustworthy to keep his promises because the promise he has made to his people long ago has been fulfilled in Jesus. As it is written in Matthew 1.20, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And this prophecy is from Isaiah. Waiting for God's salvation is a fitting posture in this season of Advent, as it indeed is a season of waiting. As Dietrich Bonhoeffer said in his sermon, the celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, and who look forward to something greater to come. Aren't we all in that state? In this season of waiting, some of us may find it really difficult and stretching to wait and trust in God, and yet we're invited still to walk in full reliance upon Him, not abandoning our faith, not looking to the world or the idols that the world presents to us, not the shiny things that capture our gaze, but we're being invited in to walk in reliance to God. And as we do, though the circumstances around us may feel like complete darkness, and the circumstances may not change, we will still see that we are walking in the light of the Lord when we trust in Him. Now, you might still be wondering, so then how might we live this out in the season of Advent? I get it, in repentance, in obedience. In the season of waiting to celebrate the birth of Jesus and anticipating his return, how might we walk in the light of the Lord in repentance and in obedience? What does that look like? We do this by adoring Jesus. We do this by beholding Jesus in love. We can walk, by beholding Jesus in love, we can walk in the light of the Lord during Advent. If repentance is turning from sin and walking towards the light, and if obedience is walking in the light, then both of these begin with beholding the light. Beholding the light. Jesus said, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? If we're going to walk toward the light and walk in the light, indeed, as Jesus says, if we're going to be full of light, We must direct our eyes to behold the light. And out of beholding, we're led into adoring, to worship, and to love Jesus. Because the Greek word behold in the New Testament is used to draw attention to something new that God is doing, which calls for special attention to the situation. And this word appears six times in the story of Jesus' birth in the Gospel of Matthew, seven times in the Gospel of Luke. Behold, behold, God is doing something new. 
As people reading the story after many years pass, we're also beckoned to behold this new thing. God taken on human flesh, being born as an infant through a virgin, this extraordinary thing that God has done in history. And as we behold the revealing of his splendor through the wondrous birth of his son, we can't help but be drawn to our knees in repentance and in submission to him. The Bible also tells us that the eyes of man are never satisfied. Our eyes will never be satisfied by the shiny new things that the world presents to us every Christmas. There's always something new that will catch our eyes along with the flashing red word that says, sail. <laughs> Only problem is, we'll soon become dissatisfied with the very thing we thought would give us satisfaction in getting them. St. Augustine said that our hearts are restless until it finds its rest in God. Let us find satisfaction and rest by beholding and adoring Jesus Christ in this season of Advent. In the midst of trouble and hardship, instead of fixing our eyes to the daunting challenges that lay ahead of us, let us lift our eyes up to Jesus, author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Like the psalmist, let us lift up our eyes to the mountain because our help ultimately comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And this Lord and this God, our God, will not let our foot slip. He who watches over us will not slumber. In the midst of challenging circumstances, let us lift up our eyes and behold Jesus. In doing so, he will strengthen us to trust in complete reliance upon him. And when he does, we will indeed be walking in the light of the Lord in this season of Advent. Let's pray. God, thank you sending your son Jesus, the true light of Christmas. We thank you that you call us to walk in this light. God, help us to turn away from the things that hinder us from walking in your presence, from walking in obedience to your word. Especially in the season of Advent, we pray, Lord, that you would empower us by the power of your spirit to discipline ourselves, to pause and to slow down and to reflect and to remember the wonder of the birth of the Messiah. God, lead us. We need you. We're so prone to wander, but God, by your spirit, help us and strengthen us to abide in you and to walk in your light. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please stand with us.
I don't know if anyone has told you, but do you know that you sound beautiful? <laughs> As you enter into the season of Advent, go with this, go with God's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Amen. Go in peace.